How many of you like roller coasters? How many of you love roller coasters? How many of you love the terrifying, blood-curdling roller coasters? You're sick. You're sick, I tell you. No, did you know a a good roller coaster. A roller coaster has to be scary to be a good roller coaster. I mean, otherwise it would be boring, all right? And and you know that sensation when you're 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 in the line, you know, and you're gonna get on a roller coaster and you you know you're just a little bit afraid, you know. But after you get off, what is it? Oh, I'm so glad I did that. Let's go again. Something like that. And you see a, <clears throat> a roller coaster, it's, it's full of ups and downs and twists and turns and fasts and slows and, and all of that. And, and if it wasn't, okay, it wouldn't be any fun. It wouldn't be worth the $200 you had to pay to get to Disney for one day. <laughs> right? All right. And we're going to talk for the next few weeks about life. And life is like a roller coaster. It has plenty of ups and plenty of downs. It has twists and it turns and it goes fast or it goes slow. And, and this is why we, we call it roller coaster, all right? The ups and downs in your life, uh, they help you discover some important things about life. And we're going to talk for six weeks about the twists and turns helping you to discover six important life lessons, all right? And I just want to tell you, we don't like the downs, okay? But the downs are usually where we learn the most. We usually don't learn much in the ups, but the downs are vital. Now today, the life lesson we want to talk about is who you really are, all right? Wise people know this. You are not who others think you are. You are not who you think others think you are. Because what you think they think about you is probably not accurate. And the third part of that is that you aren't even who you think you are. Because, see, we all have blind spots. We can't see our... We have to look in a mirror to see ourselves. And we have to look in a spiritual mirror to see ourselves, too. So who are you? When you were born, you were a baby. Totally needy. Had Somebody had to take care of it and keep you alive. Well, then you grew and you became a student. Hopefully, one day, you became a graduate. Then you became a teacher, or a technician, or a nurse, or a night watchman. Then, then some of you became a husband or a wife. Some of you became a parent. Some of you had become a grandparent. Then one day you become a senior citizen. Then one day you become a corpse. Have you ever realized that none of those things are who you are? That they're only temporary stations in life. They're not who you're going to be forever. They're not the essence of your life. And God wants you to know 
who you are. You can't really live. You can't really experience all that, that life should be if you don't know who you are. And God wants you to know. So that's why he gave us the life story of Peter. All right? Simon Peter. And for six weeks, we're going to look at his life. Because you and I are just like him. He had plenty of ups and downs. So do you. And, and again, those ups and especially the downs help us to learn important life lessons. And here's today's, who are you? Peter found out one day. <laughs> Peter found out who he really was. And friend, so can you. Luke chapter 5. It, scripture will be on the screen. It can be on you version if you're using that in your Bible. Uh, we want you to hear from God. Uh, you don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from the Lord. Luke 5. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of Lake Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee or Lake Tiberias, same, same lake, great crowds, crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, he's sometimes called Simon, sometimes called Peter, same person. Jesus asked Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. If any of you have a boat, I just think that'd be a really cool thing if you brought it one day and I got into it and you put me out and never talk. Okay, just throwing that out, okay? Verse four, when he had finished speaking. Jesus said to Simon, now I want you to go out where it's deeper. And I want you to let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Peter said, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. And I want you just to stop right there and, and think about what's going through Peter's mind. When Jesus finally finished his sermon, I don't know what you're thinking when you're waiting for me to finally finish my sermon, but what was, I don't know what he was thinking. But then Jesus said to him, Pete, listen, I want you to row me way out there where the water's deep. And, and, and I want you to fish out there. And, and just think about it. Peter had been fishing all night and he had not caught one single stinking fish. And the only thing he caught were branches. And those tore his nets. And so after an all night of nothing, he had to spend several hours mending and cleaning those nets. And Peter was tired and he was sore and he was hot and he was hungry and he was ready to go home. And he's probably thinking, Jesus, you don't know squat about fishing. Jesus, you're a carpenter. I'm the fisherman. You can't catch fish in this crummy lake in the heat of the day. You catch fish at night by netting them when they come to the surface when it's cool. And Jesus, I've been fishing all night and caught nothing, and I've been patiently waiting for you to finish my sermon because you're in my boat, so I can go home and eat and sleep. And I'm dead tired, and I didn't catch anything, so now I'm dead broke. And I just finished mending and cleaning my nets. And the very last thing I want to do is to row you way out there where it's so deep and I catch nothing all over again and have to clean my, and mend my nets again. 
I think that's what he was thinking. And maybe you're thinking similar thoughts here as I speak this morning. Now, would you agree that this was probably not an up day for Peter? It was one of those down days. And friend, life is like that. And one day you're up. And the next day you're down. Peter was hungry. He was worn out. Now he was worried. Because now he had no money to buy food for his wife and his kids and then his mother-in-law and her pet poodle that lived with them. And, and friends, you know, fishermen have good days and they have bad days, don't they? So do you. And that's the bad news. The good news is Peter did the last thing he wanted to do that day. And it turned out to be the best thing he ever did. He did what Jesus said, even though he didn't think it was going to work. He didn't. Look at verse 5. Jesus fished all night and caught nothing, but if you say so, since there's this big crowd around and they heard you tell me to take you out there, I've got to do it, and I'm going to do it just so you will know that I know better and more about fishing than you do. If you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time what happened? Their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they'd caught, as were the others, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Now, I want you to stop and realize here that Peter is now 30, 35, 40, okay. It took Peter 30 or 40 years of his life to discover who he really was. And you see, we, you, you or I, we may still not know just because we're older doesn't mean we know. Just because we've lived a lot doesn't mean we know. That day, Peter found out who he really was. And God had Luke write down this story for you. Because he wants you to know who you really are. And we'll look at three things. And the first thing that God wants you to know is that you are created. You are created. Now, Peter discovered who he really was. But he had to discover something else first before he could know that. Peter discovered who he was because he found out who Jesus is. Why did that school of fish come to the surface in the heat of the day? Because the Creator called them. The Creator called them out of the depths. And Peter needed to realize that Jesus was not just a carpenter. He's the creator. And friend, you and I need to realize that too. <laughs> that Jesus is the creator. 
You and I are not the creator. We kind of think, you know, we're in charge and we've done it and all that. I want to ask you a question. Did you create yourself? Did you decide one day that you were going to be born, that you were going to live? No. Your creator did that. Your creator knit you together in your mother's womb. Friend, Jesus is not just a good moral teacher. That's what the world says about him. Oh, he's, he's, he's one of the great moral teachers. Well, he is a great moral teacher. Friend, he's set apart. He's the master of the universe. Other great moral teachers didn't rise from the dead. Jesus did. And you see, where this comes down to our daily life is that Peter thought that he knew more about fishing than Jesus did. I mean, you know, Jesus is a carpenter. He's a fisherman. So Peter naturally assumed that he knew more about fishing than Jesus. And friend, the peril is, you and I think we know more about our life than Jesus does. But how false is that? How foolish is that? He's the creator. We are not. He's the truth. He's the way. He's the what? The life. He's the source of our life. He understands it. He knows where our life is going when we do not. And you see, just as humans, we think that Jesus, what he taught in the, in the New Testament, you know, all that stuff about love your enemies and forgive them seven times, 70, and you know, that kind of stuff. We think that doesn't work in the real world. Have you ever thought about how absurd it is to tell Jesus that he doesn't know about the real world when he created it? When he created you? We're like Peter. <laughs> we're, just, we're just like you. I am. I think you are too. And so we think that our way is better than God's way. When we're faced with a dilemma, okay, well, I know the Bible says this, but that, I don't think that's going to work very well. I think my way will work a lot better. Isaiah the prophet understood this principle. And, and this is, he asked some questions in chapter 29. He said, now, can a clay pot that's been made by the potter say to its maker, you didn't make me? How can what is formed say about the one who formed it, you don't understand what you're doing? See, that's human nature. To think we know better than our creator. But friend, who are you? You're created. You are created. You're creation of a loving heavenly father. You were created to do some things. You were created to be loved by God. That's why he created you. God didn't need people taking care of the universe. He knows all about that. He, he's taking care of Pluto. And he's taking care of all the, not Disney Pluto, the other one. He, uh, he's taking care of all the galaxies in the universe. He, he didn't need help. He created you to love. And to be loved by him, and then in turn to love others. To love him and to love others. God didn't create us to be his slaves. He created us to be his sons and his daughters. You're created to become a child of God. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this. Those who receive Jesus receive the right to become what? 
to become children of God. He, God created you to be his own child. Now, some people say, well, that's not, I mean, everybody's a child of God. Well, maybe in the sense of, yes, all life flows from God. But do you know what Jesus said to religious people in his day? He said in John chapter 8 and verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. Whoa. That's not very politically correct, is it? Why would Jesus say to people, you are of your father, the devil? Because these were people who didn't want God to be their God. They wanted to be their own God. They wanted to call the shots. I want, I want to decide what I'm going to do. I don't want, you know, God, this book, tell me what to do. You see, that's who, Satan was an angel. The devil was an angel, Lucifer. And that's what he wanted. He wanted to be like God. He didn't want God telling him what to do. And, and when we have that same attitude, we're just like him. And that's why Jesus said, your, your father's the devil, not, not me. That day, Peter discovered who he really is. That he was a created being. Friend, have you discovered that? That there's a loving God who created you for, for better than you can possibly imagine. You won't get it in this life because this life is full of sinners. This world is full of sinners. There's rebellion against God. But one day Jesus Christ is coming back to take uh, God's children to a place where it won't be like that. You're created. Peter learned a second life lesson. Verse 10, Jesus replied to, say, to Simon. Simon, Simon just said, hey, Lord, lead me. I'm a sinful man. Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed the boat, they left everything and followed Jesus. There were four fishermen, Andrew, his brother, James, and John. But who are you? Here's the second lesson. You're not only created, you're called. You were created for a life mission, a commission, a commission that the uh, military would refer to. You have a mission. You are called. Roller coaster. They have turns. You're going this way, and all of a sudden, whoop, you're going that way. You're going up, all of a sudden, you're going down. Turns. A good roller coaster has sharp turns. You know what? So does a good life. There are times in our life when we need to turn. In Acts chapter 2, 50 days after the resurrection, Jesus now is preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit, and thousands of people are listening to the message. And, and the Holy Spirit just speaks to them, and they, say, they cry out, what must we do to be saved? What did he say? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, every one of you must repent. Repent means to turn. Actually, it means to turn around. Do a 180. You're going this direction, you go to the other. Each one of you must repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You've got to go public with your faith that you're a follower of Jesus and not be ashamed of him. And then you, your sins will be forgiven. You'll receive the gift, God's gift, the Holy Spirit living in you. Friend, God has called you and me to turn to turn away from sin. Why? Because it destroys us. 
because it brings consequences to our life that we don't want. God has called us to turn from sin and to turn around and to follow Jesus, to love and obey Jesus. Jesus said this, if you, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That, that's really important. How do we know if we really love Jesus? We obey. Uh, probably most of you know that in, if, if you're in the hospital now, uh, hospital regulations require that patients have to be, who are going to be discharged, have to be wheeled out. Okay, it doesn't matter your condition. So one day a student a nurse uh, was summoned to take a wheelchair to the room of an elderly patient who was scheduled to be discharged. And she walked in the room and she found the elderly man. He was already dressed. He was sitting on the bed and he had a suitcase at his feet. And she said, you have to get in the wheelchair. And he said, no, I don't. And she said, yes, you do. It's a government regulation. And you've got to obey. You've got to get in the wheelchair. And finally he did. And when they reached the bottom floor, she asked him, she said, now is your wife here to meet you? And he said, no, she's still upstairs in the bathroom taking off her hospital gown. Now, I tell this ridiculous story to illustrate a point, okay? There are going to be a lot of people in your life who tell you to do things that aren't right. There are going to be a lot of people who tell you to do things that aren't good for you, that you shouldn't do. But there's one person going to tell you to do things you should, and that's Jesus. And when Jesus tells you to do something, it's right, and it's the best thing you could ever do. Jesus tells us to do the things we were created to do and called to do. And friend, you are called. You are called to follow Jesus. Verse 11, they pulled up the boats, they left everything. Peter, Andrew, James, John left everything and followed Jesus. Now, was that hard for them to do? Of course. But Peter, Andrew, James, and John did it because that day they woke up and they discovered what God created them for. They discovered what their life's mission was. They discovered who they really were and what God called them to do. Now, was that hard? Yeah, it sure was, okay? But for the past 2,000 years, Peter, Andrew, James, and John have been in heaven with the Lord. Now, do you think there was ever a day in those 2,000 years when they've been in heaven when they said, boy, that was a big mistake? Wish I hadn't done that. And when we finally get it, that the son, of, the son of God, the God of the universe, created us to become his child. He called us to follow his son Jesus today and tomorrow and every day and all the way to heaven. When we realize that, then we know that what Jesus asks us to do is the best thing we can do. And, and you're probably not going to have to walk away from a boat, okay? But friend, there are some things that you should walk away from. 
Jesus calls us to walk away from sin, walk away from things that destroy us, destroy our relationships, destroy our family, destroy our finances, destroy our career, destroy everything. And the news is full of people who started playing with things that destroyed their life. And Jesus doesn't want that to happen. Jesus to call, calls us to walk away from those things, to walk away from things that don't matter. What, what are you going to take with you when you die? That's what's really important. What are you going to take with you when you die? That's what's important. Called to follow Jesus, and you're called, if you're a Christian, you're called to fish. <laughs> you are called to fish for Jesus. In verse 10, Jesus said, Peter, you've been fishing for fish, and, and that's, a, that's a, a fine occupation. You support your family. It's a, that's good. But you know what, Peter? As of today, I'm calling you to do something that's more important, something that's more meaningful. I'm calling you to fish for people. And the uh, English word fish doesn't convey what the Greek word for fish. The Greek word is zogreo, from which we get from which we get words like zoology. What's zoology? The study of living things. And what Jesus was saying was. I'm calling you to catch people who are spiritually dead. People who are dead to God. People who are dead in sin. I'm calling you to fish for people and, and then I'm going to let them be born again and come alive to God. And, and Christian, it, that's, your, that's your mission. That's your life calling. That's your ultimate purpose here in this world. And when this day began, Peter was really, really down, okay? All night, no fish, broken nets, no money, tired, hungry, sleepy. Then he really got up. He and his partners had two boatloads of fish. Do you know how much two boatloads of fish are worth? A lot. And so now he's up. But he didn't stay up for very long. He got down again because verse 8, he says, he realized what had happened. And when he did, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm a sinful man. Now, wait a minute. Why did he go back down again? What happened? Peter realized, I am so sinful. I am a wretched man. The Son of God was telling me to do something, and I didn't want to do it. This, this Jesus who loves me, he loves me so much, he's going to die on a cross for my sins. He was telling me to do something, and I didn't want to do it. And the only reason I did was because of the pressure of the crowd around me. I'm a sinner. How could I look in the face of God and say, you don't love me. I don't want to do that. That's not good for me. Oh, Jesus, I'm a sinful man. I don't deserve to be near you. Please leave me. I don't deserve to be in your presence because you're so holy, so loving. You see, standing face to face there with Jesus made him realize how holy Jesus is and how sinful he was. And I just want to ask you, have you ever done that? Have you ever had that experience? Where you realize God 
is holy. He is perfect. There's, there's no sin in Him. He is pure. And you realize you weren't. And you thought about all the times you disobeyed. Thought about all the times you were selfish. Thought about the times when you didn't do what God wanted you to do. You ever had that experience? You need it. Because that's the only way we find out who we really are. And friend, if you haven't had that experience, if you never had that experience here on earth, you'll have it one day at heaven's gate. But then it'll be too late to make the change. Jesus said there are two kinds of people. Those who receive me and become children of God because they want God to be their God. And then there are children of the devil who they don't want, they don't want a God. They want to call the shots. You said there are two kinds of people. The one who decides I don't need Jesus. I'm a good person. I don't need a Savior. And then there's the one who realizes I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Are you walking with him? He's your Lord. He's your Lord. He's your Master. If so, then you'll discover, experience the third truth. You, as a Christian, are cleansed. You are cleansed. You are forgiven of sin. And you are filled with God's Holy Spirit. Uh, most of you know about our son Josh. Nine years ago, he was in Africa and suddenly was stricken with a debilitating disease. He had to come home. We took him to all the doctors here in town. <clears throat> Even took him to Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. We don't know what's wrong. Can't do anything. But you know what? God led us to a doctor two years ago. And we took him, took him to her. And she right away knew and said, Josh, you have Lyme disease. She knew that because 20 years ago her daughter got Lyme disease. So she knew all about it and she knew what to do. And she knew that his body was infested with millions of bacteria. Lyme cells, Babesia cells, Bartonella cells, etc. And she put him on meds, natural supplements to kill those bacteria. And it did. The, the medicine would kill the bacteria. But then what? Those dead cells in his body had to be cleansed, had to be detoxed from his body. And to cleanse his body, even now, he continues. He takes natural antibiotics, and that kills the bacteria. But then they have to be expelled. So uh, several times a week, he uses a sauna to sweat those dead, poisonous cells out. Uh, every night, he puts his feet in a foot spa for a half hour. And the, feet, the skin on your feet is thin, and the, the bacteria cells will actually be expelled out uh, through his feet. For the last six months, we have been watching Josh come back to life. Because his body's being what? It's being cleansed. It's being cleansed of all the deadly poison. 
that was inside of him. And friend, your creator, the, the God who loves you more than you can imagine, says that you have a deadly poison inside you. And it's far more deadly than Lyme. And we all do. And that deadly poison is self. We want to do what we want to do rather than what God calls us to do, what God created us to do. But when we find out that Jesus is God and that he loves us and that he calls us to the best life we could possibly give, when we find out who Jesus is, then we discover who we are. And we bow down before Jesus because he is the only one who can lift us up and take us to heaven. We find out who we really are. We're created. We're called. We're cleansed. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? He's the Son of God. He died in your place. You need him. Are you walking with him as your Lord? Being obedient to him. Give, asking him, God, give me strength. I know I'm going to disobey you. Help me, God. I want to walk with you. I want to please you. I want to do your will. Is he your Lord? Then you are who God created you to be. You're not a cook. You're not a carpenter. You're not a customer service rep. You're a child of the king. You're a Christ follower doing what God created you to do and what Jesus called you to do. Let's pray. Oh, God, please take the blinders off of our spiritual eyes. We, we can't see. We, we can only see physical things. We can only see today. We can't see into eternity. And that's why you have to reveal these things to us. Oh, God. Thank you that you love us to do enough to do that. Thank you that you love us so much. You sent your son to die in our place so we could live forever in your heaven. Thank you, God. And friend, while your head's bowed, eyes closed, do you get that? Do you get that you've disobeyed God? It's you, you can't earn your way to heaven. You don't deserve it. The only way you can get there is that Jesus died in your place? If you could get there another way, God would have never let that happen to his son. That's the only way. Will you accept him as your Savior? And, and then, are you walking with him as your Lord? Every day, do you, do, you, do you read the Bible? you pray, God, help me. Help me to obey. Help me to follow Jesus. I don't want to go the wrong way. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I want to walk with Jesus. Have you accepted him as your Savior? Have you made him Lord? If you haven't, that's why God brought you here today because God wants you in his heaven. Jesus coming back one day for his own. Today, he wants you to make that choice. And for all of us, this is what God calls us to. Oh, we praise him. Oh, God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Today, we be exactly like Peter. We wake up. We realize that we're not in charge. We realize that our way is not better than God's way. 
you realize that Jesus, following Jesus, obeying Jesus, loving Jesus, that's the best thing we could do. We realize that we have a mission. And that's to help others come to know him too. God, would you help us? Would you stand with me please now, everyone? Would you do that? And friend, while your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, would you look up into the face of God and tell him that? Would you tell him you want to be a Christ follower? That you want to walk with him? That you want to be who you are created to be? That you want to fulfill your life purpose and mission? Would you do that? Would you look up into the face of God? Would you tell him, oh, I know I've blown it many times, but I know you're gracious and merciful, and I, and I know you'll forgive me, dear Lord, as I seek you in this. And friend, God will be so delighted. He will work in your life in wonderful ways today and tomorrow. There are going to be down days. You are absolutely right. But you're going to learn some important lessons during those down days. And you're going to help others in those down days too. And that's the Christian life. And praise God, Jesus is coming back for his own. And we get to be a part of that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And, and friend, just one more thing. If, if today you don't quite understand that, if you have questions, if you need prayer about that or something else, there are elders, deaconesses up front, glad to pray with you. Don't leave without meeting God, just like Peter did. What if Peter had gone home? <laughs> what if he didn't do what Jesus was telling him to do? He would have missed out. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name.